What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, guys? Hope you're somewhere warm listening to this. It's pretty cold and crazy where we are. It's been, especially lately, very cold and icy uh, in my neck of the woods. So I got Jeff today with me. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, Daniel, it's good to be back on the podcast. I think we have it a little even better in the north than they do down in Texas. Uh, right. Really not used to winter there. Fair enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should be thankful we have power. So that's uh, definitely something to be thankful for. It is cold, but we have power. So so we're going to be talking about lifestyle creep. Uh, shout out to our buddy Tyler. He, he brought up the topic and thought it would be a good one to dig into. And I love the topic. It's always a fun one to talk about. We're going to be talking about, you know, how to avoid lifestyle creep, kind of talk through what it is and kind of strategies to potentially, you know, avoid having it happen. So maybe a good starting point would be to kind of talk about exactly what it is, um, what's going on, maybe, maybe kind of define what that looks like. So Jeff, what's um, uh, my favorite is to look at prior experiences, because I think everyone has suffered from lifestyle creep to some extent. So I like to look at like going from college to, you know, in the workforce and somewhere along the way, (laughs) all of a sudden I got used to spending my full income. I was in college living on like ramen noodles and $700 a month or something really low. And somehow along the way, I just woke up and I was spending my full uh, salary early on in my career and like, what in the world happened? Uh, so that's kind of a classic definition in my experience of, of lifestyle creep. It just kind of snuck up on me and all of a sudden I had adjusted to this uh, new uh, income I have. Um, so Jeff, your thoughts on that? Have you had experiences with it? What's it look like? Man, you had $700 a month in college now. That sounds like living large. For college it was, but um, you know, I had to eat off this. <laughs> so it's a lot of pizza, right? Right. Pizza. And I had to take my girlfriends out on dates and, you know, that, that kind of stuff adds up, right? Oh, there you go. See, so you were popular and had a girlfriend. Okay. Anyway, lucky guy. But so, yeah, those those transitions, though, are, are kind of tricky sometimes, aren't they? Where, you know, you go from living at, at one kind of income level, whether that's that college level or, or some other, you know, income pay stub uh, area you're at. Um, and then, you know, you get your degree and all of a sudden you're making big bucks. Maybe you're going from that $700 a month lifestyle to all of a sudden, oh, what about a, a minimum wage job? Something like that. Or you get, you know, you get out of out of school and now you have a place that you want to be, you know, you want to be living and, you know, you start to take on more obligations. Like, uh, see, maybe you get used to having a new apartment that you want to live at. You want to splurge a little bit more and um, just kind of take some of the, the, what do you call it? You know, take some of the Keep up with the Jones. Joneses. Yeah, you wanna you wanna keep up with the Joneses or just you know, loosen up a little bit on the budget as you've been you know, you've been tight on the reins. Loosen up and and so you get used to that, right? So kind of this those transitions where you take on new obligations that maybe you weren't thinking about beforehand and and you get used to them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like the collective of a ton of little decisions. That's the other thing. I think people are like, how in the world did I start spending all this income? And I've seen it happen like a bajillion times. You know, in our planning business, we work with clients and get to see their finances. And it happens over and over and over again. We see it almost like in little instances in almost every meeting. For example, somebody got, uh, say you're in training and you got a pay raise and 
you know, maybe it was two or 3000 a year pay raise, which is maybe a few hundred dollars a month. And a lot of times we're the ones that remind them that they got a pay raise and they're like, Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't even realize that I never noticed it. So that's kind of a small little symptom of it happening. But I think what happens is there's just a million little tiny decisions and maybe some medium decisions and that add up to kind of collectively cause your lifestyle to go up. And if you're not it's just kind of the daily flow of things tends to gravitate you towards spending decisions. That's kind of the natural uh, for the average person. It's going to be like those little tiny decisions are going to kind of lean towards buy things or spend more or whatever. Yeah. And I think, you know, even looking back over the last couple of months for me, it was uh, so we had Hulu. That was our big entertainment, right? It was Hulu. So a monthly subscription. And then all of a sudden, Disney Plus comes out. And oh, yeah. And watch The Mandalorian. And everybody, everybody was getting it. I mean, yeah. And so, you know, I had another $5 there. And now, oh, college football's back. So now I want to go to live sports. And and you just keep adding to it. And, and then, you know, well, now that the college football season's over, and unfortunately, my favorite team got destroyed, like most teams do, you know, it was time to look at, oh, oh, I, you know, I can cut back on this now, but I'm so used to having this in my life that, you know, it seems normal at this point that, that we've added that. And those are little things that add up. But I think the way you kind of, one way to look at that is a, a concept of hedonic adaptation, right? Where we do enjoy, a, like, we want to see kind of progress in our lives. Where we're adding these little pleasures, little fun things, but it's more painful when you start to take them away, right? Or you get used to it. And so when you take that away, it hurts. And um, I don't know about you, but I try to avoid pain. <laughs> I think that's probably normal that we want to avoid pain. But I think even, um, so I don't know, have you ever gotten into the, the studies of people that have a choice between a, a sure loss that's, you know, maybe $50 that's a sure loss or a 50% chance of a $100 loss? And statistically speaking, those are those are completely even. But the idea of losing more of the hundred dollar loss is much more painful than a guaranteed fifty dollar loss. Yeah, people definitely don't like pain; they like comfort. Yeah, and so I mean that's probably good, right? You know, when I'm when I'm around the house with my kids, I want them to dislike pain because you know if they are learning something, it's a natural reaction. You know, the the stove is hot, and so if they touch it, we want them to not like the pain because it gets them away from things that are dangerous. But at the same time, as we add new things to our life, taking those away, the idea of getting rid of those is, is painful too. It's not, it's not a hot touch type pain, but it hurts more to get rid of something than it did to cost to add it to your life, if that makes sense, from, a, from an emotional standpoint. so Right. So it's much easier to add comfortable things than to take away comfortable things. Uh, the pain you steer clear of typically. Um, I think the other thing with that uh, concept, the hedonic adaptation, um, is that when once you get like the kind of quick hit, uh, comfortable thing, like you spend a little more on something or you get the Hulu or whatever, uh, then like the um, some, some sort of chemical gets released, you know, the endorphins. I don't know what the chemical is, but there's a positive feeling, you know, and then that kind of goes away quickly in that like you don't actually feel it anymore and it kind of blends in it flattens out and blends in with kind of the normal uh quickly and then you need kind of another hit yeah and that plays into it too doesn't it because you do get that uh, pleasure from adding something new right away but you as you get used to it it doesn't have the same effect mm -hmm. 
Right. So it's definitely, it's very, um, it can be subconscious. It's a sneaky little thing that kind of happens to pretty much everyone is susceptible to some extent. Why is it so dangerous or where is it? Is it, is it the most dangerous? I think number one is lack of awareness. I mean, in general, lack of awareness is problematic, kind of leads you to a path of uncertainty and unknown. And you kind of gravitate towards that, not spending all your money and not knowing why and that sort of thing. But, but is that bad? I mean, I think it is the awareness part, because if somebody says, I want to spend all my money, you know, I want to live up to I want to spend every bit of my take home pay. That's all good. Like do it, you know? Yeah. And I think back to your question, why is it so dangerous? I think it's even just in that idea of the word creep, right? That wasn't something that came about all of a sudden, like you didn't necessarily see it coming, but it's something that has kind of snuck up on you. And now all of a sudden you're stuck at this lifestyle that, that you didn't necessarily intentionally get to. And so Mm -hmm. that awareness that you talk about is huge. Yeah. The problems happen when you say, you know, I want to be doing X, Y, Z, like saving for my kid's college or going on more vacations or whatever, save for retirement or um, that's pay off a debt, that kind of thing. So I want to do that, but I just don't know where all my money's going. There's not really any leftover at the end of the month. That's where the problem happens is when you have crept into lifestyle creep, crept into this position where there's a conflict, like you're not doing, you're not living out your values. Because if you look at it and you're like, well, uh, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. That's not a problem. Like, you know, maybe your lifestyle went up, but like, you're good with it. So the problem is when you're, you're uh, in conflict with where you want to be. And usually it happens, I think it always happens because of that lack of awareness and just kind of rolling with the flow of thing. Yeah. And, you know, even I think it was a couple of months ago, we, we even talked about trading money to get happiness too. And so this is almost the opposite of that, right? We want to be intentional about what we spend money on. And so just being aware um, makes a difference because if if that lifestyle creeps up on you, you know, it it's not living on purpose. It's not living because of your values. I mean, it's possible you could accidentally be spending on the things that you value, (laughs) but yeah, I don't know if you see that. I I don't think I see that. It's usually, you know, that things that we once saw as something that we wanted all of a sudden turn into things that we feel like we need to have at this point. And so, yeah, it's the symptoms of of lifestyle creep are like, I don't know where all my money's going. I'm spending on all these little things. I just, I never, I don't feel like I live outside my means, uh, but I am, or I don't have enough money to do whatever. I mean, that's, that's typically the symptoms of it is, and it's typically, you know, a bunch of little stuff, maybe a few big things sprinkled in, like I was saying, but it's, it's like you were saying, it's very, I don't think I've ever come across somebody that was like, I just coincidentally happened to get in this ideal position by not being aware. Um, so who are the most prone people? I think, I think there are people that are more prone to this than others, but you know, anybody is prone to it. So I was in, I was given the example of in college and, and transitioning into working. And that's kind of when I had it happen probably the most in that situation, it was just new to me. I think that was my big risk factor, I guess, is I had never done money before really. Like it was just you know, I had never done more than just a few hundred a month. And so it was new to me. And so I was getting used to it. And that was kind of, kind of what, what I think what triggered it. It's hard to tell. That's the thing. It's very difficult to self uh, diagnose. Another big one I would say is busy. If you're really, really busy, maybe you're aware you're, you know, it's kind of something, but you just are so busy. What other kind of uh, 
situations, Jeff, can you think of that would be like potential uh, for or higher potential for this kind of thing now? Yeah, you know, I think one thing you mentioned is that it really is impactful and it happens to pretty much everybody. It's just kind of the scale that it happens, I think, that makes a difference sometimes. Like so many of us go through different transitions in life. You know, you mentioned a very common one of going from, you know, living the college lifestyle to having your first job, um, a steady paycheck, maybe, and, and a little bit freer living. And I think we see that in the people we work with really amplified because they tend to go from an average, you know, household income to a well above average. And so you go from managing, you know, kind of the equivalent of a, of a, of the, the college lifestyle or living like a resident, you know, as we, we say, you know, um, to all of a sudden now having, you know, significantly more disposable income to spend. And so that's a, you know, who, the people we talk to day in and day out physicians are, are a classic example of, of where this is a danger. But then, like you said, busy too, which <laughs> we were talking to physicians. And, and so people that are making an income change and are busy, those are two key factors there. That- and moving and buying a house and selling a house and getting the kids settled in school. Like transition into practice is a good example of big time risk uh, phase where you can kind of slip up on it. There's just a ton of stuff going on all over. Yeah. So anytime that you are so busy that you, you know, there are things you know need to happen and you start to pay for those, even, uh, even especially if it's not intentional, you know, that's, that's an area of risk where, where that creep really comes into play. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen it happen a lot of times. That's where some of the bigger decisions happen. Is that transition to practice. It's like, it's like I, uh, I needed to, sell my house and I need to buy a house. The house is, is in kind of a biggie. Uh, and so I just kind of rushed through that because there was this timing thing, but you don't really have to rush through it. Nobody's saying like you are forced to, you may feel like you are, but you really can like rent a house. That's kind of a, uh, if you take a step back and you're like, okay, let's maybe we could spread this craziness out a little bit potentially. So just being aware of that kind of risky phase of life, I think, um, can potentially help. I, I also think people uh, that are kind of that tend to be spenders. We we work with a lot of different types of people, and I think we work with people sometimes that are spenders that don't realize they're spenders. That's dangerous. There's also people that are spenders and realize they're spenders. So that's that we can work with that. That's that's a much better position. And so if you uh, are a spender and you know you're a spender. Um, you can kind of be kind of keep that in mind and know that that's kind of a higher risk factor for this type of type of thing. Yeah. Jeff, you got any suggestions for the people that are spenders that don't know they're spenders? Oh man. Is there any hope for a spender <laughs> that doesn't know they're a spender? Listen to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I think number one, you know, being able to do things that are either guided like by somebody else or, or another expert that you can work with. Um, shameless plug there, right? I mean, we do that, but Along with that comes what can we automate to make sure that things happen without us thinking about it so that at least the high priorities are taken care of. But then how about those other decisions? How do we, how can we actually be more intentional or what, what yeah. makes us more aware of, of these decisions? Yeah, that's especially the day to day little stuff. Um, I think that's probably the hardest for a lot of people. I always advocate having some sort of, uh, doesn't have to be like intense. And I'm going to say the budget B word budget. Um, you, <laughs> whoa, now, I mean, you don't need to count every single penny. And I'm not talking about like cash envelopes. I'm just talking about like some like sort of 
just if it's maybe just a five minute kind of quick check, temperature check on what you're spending or how you're spending. I always advocate that kind of as a baby step towards awareness and it can kind of help. It's, it's I think, a step in the right direction, if, especially if you feel like you're kind of suffering from uh, not not being aware. I have a, a kind of a system that I, I use personally and a lot of our clients use where it's basically just essentially all you're doing is checking your cash balances once a month at the same time of the month. And that way you can kind of start to see trends. Like if your cash is going down, um, it's a it, it's an indication that you're obviously spending more than you're taking in. Or if it's going up, you're spending less. But I think more importantly, it gets you in that routine of like a monthly temperature check. And when I do it with my own finances, it prompts me to, especially if it's not going the right direction, I'm going to be like, huh. I wonder what's happening. Maybe there's an issue here and start to peel back the layers. But there's a lot of ways to kind of check the temperature. Jeff, do you have any suggestions for kind of increasing that awareness? Well, I was actually hoping, could you tell us just real quick how you do that system? Because I love it when I see you do that system. It's one of the quickest ways to do things um, and have have a blood pressure check on your finances. Because like you mentioned, that budget word is scary. And I don't want to do a budget, but if I can do things once a month in a couple of minutes, I'm all for that. Yeah, I'll do it real quick. I'll pull it up while I'm talking. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly enjoy budgeting. I, I definitely, the part about budgeting that fries me is like writing the same fixed expense down every month. I mean, that feels nutty to me. I'm like, why am I going to write something like gas? I'm like, it doesn't change. I'm not going to, probably not going to do anything about that dramatically. And or, or even a mortgage payment is even more fixed or something like that. So it's just kind of a frustrating thing. It feels very in the weeds. And so it's oftentimes feels unnecessarily time consuming. So basically my system that I use is meant to be like as high level as possible kind of quick check. So what I do is once a month, I do it at the literally in the first of the month. So on the first of the month, I basically write down the prior month ending cash balance or essentially the cash balances as of the start of the month, which is the same as the ending balance as the prior month. So I'm I'm time stamping my cash balance of all my cash accounts as of that point in time at the very start of the month. And I've already been doing that for prior months. So now I have this running tally of exactly the cash balance I'm starting every month with. And so what I can do is add in quickly like how much money came into my accounts and then back into what had to have come out of my account. And so at that point, I now have the starting cash balance, how much came into my accounts, and then I back into how much came out, and then I have the ending balance. So it's it's really only four numbers, but I know what that outflow number kind of tends to be. And it it's enough for me to kind of get an idea of how the month went. Uh, and it takes me five minutes. So it's um, the temptation for me. I like to kind of dig in a little bit. Like I don't like to get too much into the weeds, but I do kind of pick at things. So I, my temptation is kind of make it a little more complicated. But what I would encourage, if you did want to try a system like that, once when you're in the building the habit kind of phase of things, resist the temptation to make it too complicated. You want to make it super easy while you're kind of developing the habit of whatever it is uh, until you get the habit going, especially because if you make it too complicated, you know, you spend an hour or two one month, you're gonna be like, ah, I don't want to, or I don't have the time for it this month. The other big thing about it, 
we could go on for hours about this. This is a could be a tangent, but I think it's critical to involve if you're uh, married, your spouse, because what happens is <laughs> I'm the one that kind of does this monthly check typically for our family. And so it can be you have to be careful because it can become the finger pointing session. So I do the numbers and I'm like, ooh, they're not looking very good. And so I go home that day from work and I'm like, Allison, we're spending too much money. And she's <laughs> like, she feels like I'm accusing her of spending too much money. And and uh, even if I try to use good tone and everything and it can become, we spiral to a bad place. So you have to be intentional about introducing it to your spouse, especially if they're you're the spouse that takes care of it. You want to kind of make it a team effort and it's our money. And, you know, we're going to look at this together and uh, identify any areas that we need to work on and uh, even switch. Like we've switched before. My spouse has started taking it over for a few months. Maybe she might've done it for a couple of years and then flipped it back over to me. And that that was helpful. So, but because if one spouse has it down and the other spouse is not aware that it has to be a team effort at that point. Yeah, my my wife, Mindy, if you're listening to this, thank you for being a great spouse. Yeah, yeah same Dallison, uh, same Dallison. Yeah, <laughs> but just talking over basically any kind of new purchase or something we're talking about adding is a great way to make sure I'm being intentional about spending because me personally, I am naturally not a spender. And so I, but when I do start to spend, so, you know, you, oh, this probably resonates with a lot of people with home projects. So we did one home project. We added, we replaced windows and I loved it. And and now I'm like, oh, so yeah, now let's do the back porch and make it an all weather room. And then oh, what about the kitchen, Mindy? And she kind of reins me in. Once I start spending, I am ready to open the pocketbook and just keep doing things. Um, and she she is great at helping me look at these ideas and say, now, Jeff, do we really do we really need to do? Yeah. Bringing up, oh, you know, just even looking at the alternatives and saying, all right, these other options might be harder or maybe, you know, not as easy. It's always easy just to spend on something new as long as there's money or credit available. But to look at the other options and say, what are the positive things out of maybe doing this project ourselves or, uh, you know, waiting or just not spending on something? Because sometimes I look at, not doing some of these spending decisions is a is a painful thing too, or I'm used to doing something. But when I start start to look at it in a positive light, what are the good things that come out of this? You know, it makes it easier to say no to some of those <laughs> uh, spending decisions. Yeah. So your your spouses can be a big time benefit because you, you get that added accountability and you're kind of functioning as a team. But you have to be a team. Like you can't just be driving the ship com- completely and. Um, you definitely have to involve them. One of the things we will do every so often as part of a supplement to that system I was talking about, like when our lifestyle kind of starts to creep, I I see it pretty quick because I check it every month. Uh, I don't check the details. I just see the total. But if the total's creeping, I can tell. And so what I will do if it's happened for like a couple months in a row, that's when I'll dig into the weeds. And so basically, I just look at the month, the one month and kind of summarize or uh, figure out all the expenses for the just that one month. And then that's when my wife and I talk through it. And we're like, okay, what's where we gotten a little loose on what's what's happening? What do we want to change? What's not in alignment with what with what our goals are, our values are, and then we just hit make a hit list of stuff we're going to work on basically. That way, it's not overwhelming. It's not just like, because when you're what happens is you're like, Oh, I need to 
my lifestyle has crept and now uh, what do I do? It's so it's like overwhelming to think I just need to uh, cut spending. It's also difficult. You're like, I don't even know what to cut. Like, and so you kind of have to take baby steps. I think at least that's helped for us. It's like very difficult to just, nobody's like, man, I'm throwing away money every month or very few people say that. And so you have to kind of, that's when you do have to get into the weeds a little bit, I guess, or it helps. And then that you had mentioned, Jeff, having kind of a uh, point where you check in with your spouse, like on a, on bigger purchases, especially a lot of people do it for a certain dollar amount. So that's when just kind of an accountability check to say, Hey, let's talk about this thing when it's over $5 or whatever. Yeah. My wife told me a long time ago that anything over 20, we talk about. Yeah. That's a little low. Uh, That's what I told her, but you know, Oh, Mindy, you're great though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just having kind of that, whatever that line in the sand is, you know, if, if your money is really flying out the window, probably a lower limit to talk about things is a good place to go. You know, figure out what that point is for you personally, where you need to talk about different purchases or if there's a category that goes on, um, you know, for us during pandemic life, it's been Amazon. It's gone way up, right? Right. All of a sudden things are being delivered all the time. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a challenging time. So as we start to wrap up, I, th- I think the last thing I wanted to kind of get into is uh, what, what sort of things potentially might get in the way of us um, gaining awareness. I think the key is awareness. We've talked about lifestyle creep is kind of the, by definition is lack of awareness of your lifestyle and it creeps up. So the key is to gain awareness. And so what are some of the things we can look out for and how do we start to navigate those and, and take action? I think the first one that comes to mind for me is maybe you have some underlying financial issues like, um, like a big credit, a credit card debt or something that you just don't even want to face. So you've kind of buried your head in the sand type approach. That's natural in that situation. If you're like, I'm not even going to pay attention. Yeah, I think and another another one that I would think of is just the once you're, it's a lot easier to do this and be intentional before you start spending money, right? And so if you're already at the point where you're examining some of this stuff, it does, it just takes work to actually go back and say, what are my highest priorities? And how do I intentionally align my finances with that? It's a lot more comfortable to just keep the status quo going than to, um, it's rewarding, I think, to examine life and, and decide what your highest priorities are, but it's work and it, you got to make time. And like you said, even the same idea you have, a maybe you're avoiding just facing the issue of a debt, you know, sometimes a deep discussion, it's tough, you know, it's something that you want to avoid too. You might come out better in the end, but by having good discussions on values and, and aligning that. But but it's also something that if you haven't done a lot of, maybe seems like a, a painful task to avoid. Right. Even with the credit card debt, it's like once you, you have to get over that hump of like, it's there, I'm going to deal with it, you know? So if there's an underlying issue, sometimes you got to you gotta get to a point where you're ready to tackle that. And the means to getting there is to gain greater awareness of your, you know, month to month lifestyle. Some people have another issue that can come up is some people just have kind of like a bad relationship with money, or they have some deeper issues with money that I think need to kind of be dealt with. And that's, that's where counseling or financial therapists can, can be helpful that we, we talk with a financial therapist in, in one of the earlier episodes um, the third episode, but those type of people, that's, that's what they do is they peel back the layers. That's typically something that when things are not adding up, when it's like illogical, when you're like, I can't explain what's going on here. I've done 
what I need to do. I'm taking, I'm taking the steps. I've dedicated the time. I'm working the systems. I'm doing what I need to do. It's just not adding up. A lot of times that's what the, there's some underlying issues that can, can be causing problems. Yeah. Do you especially maybe see that with, with family history, maybe how you grew up with money? It's usually your childhood. Yeah, it all comes back to childhood. It's- I know it does. It really does. I mean, and that's how it is for most people. So it's like your maybe habits that you learned in childhood, they become like subconscious and they're causing problems. Uh, you're just, you're like, I don't even know where it's coming from. Uh, but you kind of have to work through that and get to a point where you, but everybody's got their issues. Uh, I think what it comes down to is, and a lot of this stuff is acknowledging them, coming clean with them, realizing you're not like perfect. <laughs> you got issues and you got to, Everybody's got to work through them. And, and the quicker you can get to a point where you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm not so great after all. Let's just see it for what it is and, and take a minute to look at things. And, you know, I'm not going to be perfect at this whole budgeting thing. It's going to just be a work in progress. So we're going to start with a baby step. That's another thing. I think perfection is sometimes the aspiration, but really all you need to do is start with little, a little tiny, small step. So Jeff, you mentioned your Disney plus and Hulu. I mean, if you feel like you're not if you're, if you feel like you're spending too much or you've lost control of your lifestyle, you know, you could just start with one little thing. Yeah. And it, it would be, yeah, you can start with just one thing, you know, looking at that. What, what am I getting? What, am, what do I think I'm getting from Disney plus? And uh, what is an alternative that would actually meet that need, but maybe not costing me money. So, you know, there's always alternatives and usually there are cheaper alternatives that hit that scratch the itch you're trying to get to. Um, so if you're looking for some kind of entertainment with, with Disney plus, it could be books or playing with your kids or, yeah, my kids are always like, dad, stop watching the Mandalorian, you know, come play with us. I'm just kidding. But... Or go to the library, <laughs> the library, you know, there are alternatives there. It's free. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so much of it, if you're interested, libraries offer digital stuff now too. So yep. you don't even have to go to the library to get the libraries. It's crazy. Yeah, but you have to, it takes a little bit of, uh, it goes back to the time and dedication. You have to, it takes a little bit of intentionality and dedication and time to kind of work through that and be like, oh, maybe there is an alternative, or what are the alternatives? And then once you, so when you free up the free, you know, say you're spending money on a Hulu or, you know, uh, blowing money, going out to dinner, and you don't feel like that's in line alignment, and you want to instead pay off your student loans faster because it's keeping you up at night. As soon as you get kind of improvement, see improvement on that one issue, maybe it's the dining out, then you, I think another thing is you immediately redirect it to the other uh, thing you want to focus on. So you kind of start to redirect those payments to the student loans. After doing that for a while, a lot of small things add up to big things. Yeah. I think having that alternative and actually a a different thing to do with the funds makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, don't think about this you actually give something to do instead of that. Right. Because that goes back to the whole lifestyle creep thing. It's like when we introduce more kind of unaccounted for uh, money that uh, is prone to lifestyle creep, really. Cool. Well, Jeff, always fun catching up and uh, appreciate you hanging out on this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Daniel. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. 
All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.